or just send me uh, the Yeah, you can just send me the link and I can get it. All right, make that work. Yeah. All right, so we're live right now. Cool. We're all to here. All right. What's up, man? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. It's been a while, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When was the last <laughs> time we did this? Like, Oh, man. It's been talking, a while. We're talking Beyonce, I think. <laughs> that, that was a handful of episodes, though. Like, <laughs> you'd have to be way more specific. No, uh, we're... Uh, Life we're branding <laughs> oh man maybe yeah yeah so that's way back so i decided i decided we're branding this as uh season two of the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. why is that because then like people think it was like an artistic decision or like like we had to go up into the mountains and rest man because we just put so much into this art and we had to like kind of you know get back ready into the swing of things make sure you know like a tv season like that yeah everything was right for sure and it's totally not because uh we all got busy and my computer broke and just didn't really feel like doing it for a while definitely and definitely not that yeah. did the end of hockey season go okay though yeah yeah so it's okay. the off season now so i have more free time like honestly the biggest thing is my computer uh died its final death so it's been more like finding ways to figure out how to do stuff without a laptop wow so like That's one cool. like one day <clears throat> this MacBook I got in 2009 or 2010 and I've okay. basically only used it for the podcast just to like edit and record and stuff. And one day it's sitting on the, on my desk and I'm looking, and I'm like, that's weird. It's not closed all the way. Like it must be stuck on something. Grab it to figure out what it is. Open it up. It, there, it looks like there's like a golf ball inside the computer. <laughs> that's like popping up like the keys and the trackpad. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah i was like yo this thing's gonna explode and like i'm gonna be the first casualty of an i of a macbook um probably so, the third or fourth i probably the fourth at least so naturally i didn't do anything about it yeah i just left it there and it never <laughs> exploded and then eventually like i was at a mall like months later and i went just stepped into the apple store i was like yo this is what happened is like is it gonna explode and he's like no i'm like okay cool he's <laughs> like it's not gonna work though we're not gonna fix it I'm like okay okay for sure for sure I'm not gonna fix it <laughs> so uh Refreshing yeah flow. just waiting to get a new computer but anyway uh yeah so this is uh season two we're gonna do things a little differently around here um yeah. not really we're gonna find a way to talk about kanye at every episode and but like um yeah just in a more uh kind of creative way so <laughs> oh, yeah. i wanted to do more like um like uh, kind of segmented kind of uh, sections to the podcast. So we'll have kind of reoccurring things that go through it. I think I tried this like once, but like it's like on TV, like on sports shows, like around the horn and pardon the interruption and stuff like that. So yeah. we're, uh, we're going to try to go with that. So for this first episode, kicking off the season premiere, our uh, intro question. So if you have to pick like school just ended for everybody, basically like it's summer, like it's warm out. What's your go-to summer album to throw on? Um, I got two that are on my mind. Is that is that okay? okay. I mean, I'll let it, I'll let it slide. All right, all right. I mean, these. So this is. I haven't actually like. It's been very cold up here in Connecticut, so I haven't actually been able to listen to a summer, a summer album like I should. Okay. So it's so. Last this time last year it was like 2018. Take off your pants and jacket. That's like the normal. That's the normal go-to. That's how you know it's warmed up. Okay. Anthem Part Two and all that stuff and right the old 
the good old days, as well as um, as well as Yellow Card Southern Air. Okay. That yeah, I was a I was a big Yellow Card fan back early high school. So that album was that album was one that came out like five years ago. It came out towards the end of summer five years ago, and okay. it, still clicks with, it still clicks with me every once in a while when I pop it on. That's that's a uh, that's like low key the best Yellow Card record slash yeah. the only listenable Yellow Card record. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> we got hot takes here. Season hot two, takes. still got hot takes. Yellow um, card I mean, mediocre or not? No, they're not mediocre. Like, can't can't take away anything from them, yeah. you know? But, like, I, I, I'm grown out of it. I don't want to listen to it. Oh, no, that's that's me with Yellow Card, Blink, all those bands. Like, Elden right. Glory the other day, which was a real... Don't really <laughs> Yeah, but see, like, I don't know, to me, like, Newfound Glory is the one that I would return to the most, because I think those songs are catchy enough to stand on their own. Yellow Card just comes a little away a little too sugary sweet, like, Ocean mm-hmm. Avenue is still, like, untu- an untouchable record, but mm-hmm. it's just such a product of that time. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, I think I think it's, it, I, for me, I have two different phases, like, there's the Ocean Avenue phase when everyone's, like, like just getting into that kind of, like, that early 2000s. <laughs> Mm-hmm. sunset kind of vibe but when they when they kicked in when they joined hopeless those two records on hopeless yeah came out like at like like most of the people when they're a lot of people when they're listening to ocean avenue they were in early high school when i listened mm-hmm. to you when you're through thinking say yes in southern air i was early in high school okay and those records had that sort of significance on me okay i clicked it clicked it clicked with me in that sense but of course like five years later i'm not listening to pop punk Right, every single day of every, of every every minute of every day. Of course, like, <laughs> those those weeks or something, but like it's not my go to anymore. Yeah, but that's like, but that's like a summer move. Yeah, no, like that's like fun, move. like fun summer kind of music, you know? Yeah, not fun per se, but like, not like, <laughs> like, like Nate Ruse, but like fun. it's fun. Yeah, yeah, no, that Southern Air record has the when you're around, when I'm around. Something like that. I think it was a single. When you're around, that's um, that's when you're through thinking. Say yes. Is it with you around? Where they talk about the saves the day record. Yeah, that's that's the 2011. Those two records, I think, kind of go hand in hand for me because they because they came so close to one another. Okay. Part one, part two, to the same sort of coin. Okay, I got you. Because I love that song. That song rules. That's a jam. That's a jam. Yeah, (laughs) Southern had um had awakening, always summer. Okay. With a we are the in crowds, Tay. Tay, J. Dean, Birdie. Yeah, was. yeah. Weird. The In Crowd was a band. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> How could we, man? How could we? Um, What's your go-to? Cool. Um, well, I don't know. Like, I've lived in North Carolina here for like three years now. Yeah, just almost three years. So, like in Texas, like there's no seasons. So, like there's no like real like summer music. Yeah. But like here there is and so it's cool. And so like you kinda have to get into that like mindset. And so for me, uh like I kinda mentioned it in passing with that when you're talking about yellow card, but like saves the day to me is like summer. Like yeah. so kinda in the same vein as you, just like that kinda older pop punk that kinda nostalgic a little bit that's just kinda funny and sun- uh, sunny and fun and like inoffensive and you can just throw on. Um so for me it's um Stay What You Are mm-hmm. by uh, Saves the Day. That's a uh, Yeah, like some Say Anything, um, just that kind of that, that kind of vibe. So not too far off from where you were. Say Anything? As in Is a Real Boy or Is a Real Boy? 
Yeah, that's probably my summer pick for him. Ooh, I don't know. I, that never that record never felt too summery to me. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I mean, some of the stuff like Belt and Whoa, like the just kind of like fun sing song, sing along, loud kind of things. That's that's always been like my go to for it. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay, is it really still cold in Connecticut? I mean, it's been going back and forth. Like, it hasn't gotten consistently warm. Like, it, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a matter of us having a cold climate. We've just had like an unseasonably cold time. I mean, that's ever since I came home about two weeks ago from Virginia. It's been cold. It's been more cold than warm. But last week was fairly nice. I mean, this. I mean, in Virginia, it was like seventy. I have seventy for all for like most of the spring and summer. So it felt good. It felt really, good. that's wild. It, 70 with some with some hints at the cold but it was more it was i remember it being warm for much for much longer than it being cold here like huh. it's like june 5th i'm at 60 degrees outside it's not it's no not way right now dang it's not working right now i'm about to go home to texas for a week and it's like already in the mid 90s and i'm weak now the living uh, in, living on the east coast has made me weak <laughs> <laughs> um but cool. you're in charlotte so you're in so yeah. you're in like a even on a warmer area anyways I guess the weather's not terrible. Like it, it it's that's, it's not bad compared to Houston. You know what I mean? Like, I mean that's Houston. yeah. That's, you have to, you have tunnels to take in. Anyway. Right, like you're under, you're below sea level. Like it's it's so hot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we put down some things for main kind of topics. Um, was there one of the three that you specifically wanted to hit? I, I like the I like the boxer tenure. Okay, see, I knew you would, man. I knew you would. <laughs> you know me. You know me thinking about thinking about that tenure. Okay, and especially the national. Yeah. So with that new song. So out. Uh, I f- I think we've talked about the national before, but like, what's your background with the national? I know you're a big fan. The national, right? Yeah, yeah. They're one of, they're one of my favorite bands. I mean, I've I I started get listening to the national, ironically enough, when I first got my record player mm-hmm. back in four or five years ago that's when like i started like maturing i guess or like trying to like mm-hmm. ex- like expand a little bit so the national bon Iver, it all kind of came in at that time so boxer was the first national record that i listened to and trouble you trouble will find me came out around the same time okay so those two records kind of percolated at the same time for me okay. and high violet high violet was the one that really sold me i hadn't listened to that until like like early senior year of high school and that's when i was hooked and i just, okay run run with this band so what about what about boxer made that like the entry point for you because like from because i i'd never really listened to this band i never really got them until like honestly like a couple weeks ago couple which i'll talk ago. about which i'll talk about in a second but like what made boxer the go-to because it seems like high violet might be a little more like praised at this point and then um trouble will find me is obviously like all their top plays on spotify and stuff you said that was coming out around then so what made Boxer the choice for you to yeah, kind of so, get in? So I think, so Boxer, the first song by the National I heard was Mistaken for Strangers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it kind of came from. It was like that song kind of kept coming. And then Apartment Story as well. So they had, that, those were two of the more, two of the bigger choruses that they had. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy for me to listen to. And I guess that was a good entry point because I'm trying to think, I, I, I probably had some logic at the time. I was like, I was like high by like, High Violet has these songs on it, so I don't want to listen to that just yet. Like I need to understand them. Right. I don't want to listen to Alligator just yet because 
that's like early in there. Like, I think, I think it was Mistaken for Strangers and Apartment Story, those two songs that really got me to actually listen. And it took me a while to really get it either way. Like it was, Boxer was the first record, vinyl record that I bought. Okay. And I listened to it a handful of times, but I didn't totally get it. Yeah. For a while. And then, sure, like give, I gave it a few weeks, a few months, and it finally clicked. But I don't think there's anything, aside from the fact, like, con- like convenience of what I listened to. Okay. It was one of the, f- the first song by The National I'd heard, second song by The National, were both on that record. So it was a good entry point. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mistaken for Strangers, I assume it was a single off that record, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't, lis- I didn't listen to it as, like, a single. I was right, like, right. Seven, I wasn't listening to The National. <laughs> yeah, it no, was, like, I, it was, I, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was one of the, that was the first song I heard of them that played it, like, uh, when I worked at Vans, it played on the stereo, and, um, I, it kind of sounded like if Interpol was good. Ooh, I, don't like <laughs> I don't get Interpol even less than I got the national at the time, but like it, it's the most, uh, it like for like a surface reading, it's the most catchy that the national kind of is. Um, yeah. And yeah. I kind of yeah. got those vibes and I honestly, I didn't know it was the national for a long time. Like I kind of just assumed it was Interpol. Even with the, even with the, I think Matt Berenger sounds tries a little less to sound British than the Interpol lead singer. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, like two Interpol songs too, so that doesn't help much. I actually listened to listened to that to that record, Turn On Bright Lights, for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it's and it hit me. It was one of the first, like first time in a while that I listened to a record. I was like, that's that's one, that's like a good one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I liked it a lot, but I understand okay. that their career doesn't hold up. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really checked it out, but that's kind of like that's kind of like similar to what I did with the, with, uh, the national. So yeah, I like I had known that they're a very like highly regarded band, and I felt like I've tried to check them out in the past, and it just like never worked out. (laughs) Like something just like something never really clicked. (laughs) I don't think I was ever really giving it as much of a um, as much of a chance as I like could, you know. So, um, like recently I've been getting, I've been kind of, uh, like we've talked in the past, like your, your taste in music changes, you know, yeah. kind of fluctuates between stuff. I've like seen myself kind of growing more toward like the weird, like, um, like hip indie serious kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I've been really into the microphones. The microphones. Yeah. Um, have you ever listened to, uh, Mount Erie? You just yeah. put out a record. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That Mount, that Mount Erie record is. Yeah. So. So I didn't know this. Like I had, I had heard that record and heard like the whole story, and I was like, "Yo, this is incredible." Kind of backtracked it. He's the front man of a band called the Microphones, who are very like prestigious yeah. in that kind of indie scene, and it rules, yeah. and it's so good. And so, I was like checking out stuff like that, and I was like, you know what, like. I think it's time to give the national like a fair shake, you know, like, like really check it out. And um, I kind of the same thing. Like I knew that boxer was like, I did, did a little bit of research. I knew like boxer was kind of the, not the, I don't know. Would you say it's kind of like a turning point for the band? Cause it doesn't sound like alligator and the stuff before it is very different. And I then think alligator, I think alligator is more of a turning point, but boxer. Okay. Like, Cause alligator was when they, Alligator was a shift, like creatively, at least listening to their early, their earlier stuff, which is really different than. Mm-hmm. But I think Alligator and Boxer are more similar than. Really? Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, I am. Um, yeah. Well, I am. Um, 
yeah so i checked out boxer and uh yeah. kind of like in, like just something clicked like listening to it front to back like just the weird guitar sounds um his voice was kind of something to to overcome for me mm-hmm. that's not something i'm naturally drawn to but it like really starts to get you yeah. kind of toward the end um and there's just like so much cool stuff going on that i didn't never had really caught on to you know from like it has ridiculous drumming on it oh yeah like oh, yeah. the drumming is the percussion is just so cool i mean songs uh, like brainy squalor victoria those are like driven by driven by the by the dense percussion sounds there yeah it's like there's not it's like very like in the pocket like guitar and vocals wise and then all of a sudden you have just have this crazy like triple drum beat in the background of it that kind of oh, like yeah. almost fades in and out of your consciousness like i think that was just so cool oh yeah oh yeah that sticks out it sticks out and i think i think on my end it was the vocals were like the part where it took me a little bit to not not like i didn't like it before but it was it was off-putting after going through of course i'm gonna like compare it like pre-pop punk versus post-pop punk days, but <laughs> it was really difficult to at least when it comes to any of those bands that any other band those bands in that like serious indie category like bon Iver, uh, the mm-hmm. National bands like that like it's really hard to get used to the, to their denser and maybe more technically refined vocal styles mm-hmm. compared to like then yeah 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 like, you're do years of listening to that then it's hard to right much else because you're everything you think everything you're thinking about is relative to that stuff. yeah yeah that's that's like a weird thing that like i i guess like hearing it from you like makes it seem like it's more uh prevalent i thought maybe it was just me but like when you're kind of growing up with that kind of music you equate like the kind the cool kind of music that you listen to are these like guys with like the higher voices not not uh technically solid singing you know what i mean like a lot of emo where they're just like it's not good but then you hear but then like all like the like mainstream butt rock is the guy the guys with like the deep voices and like can like belt and stuff you know what i mean yeah and the, i always hated that so no. it's like a it's like a weird thing to kind of flip that and be like okay he can sing and this is different than what i listened to before but it's like it's not the other thing that i thought it was you know at all yeah and like i think i think a singer like when you think about like the the dad rock or something like that or like Mm -hmm. kind of the classic rock like i guess for for younger kids it's like the 90s alternative rock that like parents will rave about and they might get tired Mm -hmm. for us it's like guns and roses right that like annoying 80s like rock like that Mm -hmm. nothing it's bad but like if people people get too much of a hard on from it but well the the official the official podcast stance is that guns and roses are bad i mean yeah that's that's official (laughs) beyond okay cool you sign the paperwork yeah you know it i agree with you i agree (laughs) when it comes to but when it comes to bands in when it comes to bands in the nine in like the 90s alternative rock category oh shoot i totally forgot my train of thought Guns N' Roses got me too. Got me too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were talking about just the the style of vocals from like the stuff that like the generation before oh, us yeah. listened to. Oh yeah. Okay. So Oasis. So a band like Oasis. Mm-hmm. Liam Gallagher's vocals. Like mm-hmm. they never, like I there was never a like it took me a while to real to reach the point where I could think oh these this guy can actually sing mm-hmm. because, he just, because he had the because. When, because I had been used to like singers who couldn't sing, so, right? So singers who couldn't sing, so I never really listened to some listened for someone's technical ability. Mm-hmm. So, hearing someone like Liam Gallagher perform on a song like "Live Forever" and you hear they're like actual like they can actually sing a song like sing notes, <laughs> and, 
same path the same with power and grace as opposed to just kind of this this very drop very simplistic simplistic not unrefined style of, of singing mm-hmm. like once, you, once you're able to realize that distinction then your perspective sort of shift and with matt Berenger, like once you're able to get over the get over the little giggles like oh his voice is very very deep, very deep. <laughs> once you're able to get past that i think that's something that like immature music listeners like people who are still playing like california by blink One Two, like once you're able to get over that hump then it re- so really starts to make sense yeah so so 10 years in so um obviously the start the we brought this up because uh, Boxer turned 10 this year. It was released in 2007. Um, yeah. Looking at, I guess, look at, if we look at National, the National as a band or like a very like prestigious group now, a group that's like still going and kind of adding to that legacy. What do you think it is about them as a band that has kept them kind of in that revered place, kind of pushing out from those contemporaries and, um, like, like to me, the boxer sounds like it could come out today, yeah, and be and be kind of fine in this environment. Like it, it, it doesn't sound like a record that's ten years old. Whereas if you look at other bands and records they were making ten years ago, it is like wildly different and very much a uh, product of that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas this record seems more like a time, not I don't want to say timeless because that's like a very big broad word, but like it's a record that still holds up in on its own at right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it has to do with its sort of backwards looking sound, not backwards looking, but it's, it invokes a lot of the past. It invokes right. a lot of, like, like Joy Division, New Order, the, the sort of seventies, eighties, post-punk new wave styles. Mm-hmm. In that. It really, it draws upon those, draws upon those, draws upon that a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's a vaguely nostalgic sound, but also very forward looking. And how it, like when you say when you say like it, it's a product of the times, like they like other, like records like Boxer, Neon Bible, Sound of Silver, they kind of set the tone for the time. Mm-hmm. Like, band, like, like when you're thinking about like records that that came out, like indie rock records that came out in the time came out during that time, those are the ones that have, that defined defined the five six years after that. Right. Just like how bands like Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, and Block Party were products of 2005. Right, AKA, like products of of the bands that are talked about in Meet Me in the Bathroom. Right, the bands like the National, Radioheads, In Rainbows, the Shins. They define the next five six years after that. Yeah, which involved like involved like bands like Mumford and Sons hitting the scene, Fleet Foxes. Mm-hmm. So they were the ones that sort of set the tone for the for the next for the to- for the future looking forward. I think the major difference though is that unlike a band like Arcade Fire who are now playing arenas their their most recent tour that was announced for this upcoming fall is playing NBA NHL arenas mm-hmm. which is huge for them but it's but Arcade Fire song is able to play arenas and maybe not sell them out I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they sold out like a Madison Square Garden but they're able to play arenas and catch lots of buzz yeah the sound system catching a ton of buzz Radiohead is a whole different animal together mm-hmm. but the national still like they still have their pocket and they're still the kings of their little pocket of the of the music sphere yeah they're not yeah it's kind of it's kind of like like they're one of very few like quote-unquote rock bands who are just like it's just a group of guys and their instruments there's no you look at like the contemporaries that you mentioned like arcade fire have a lot of aesthetic choices that they make a lot of mysterious kind of stuff 
um, like Radiohead is like super mysterious band. LCD like goes away and comes back and he's kind of enigmatic and it's one guy and that kind of thing. Whereas like, this is just a band that's been really kind of no frills since, since they came out basically, you know, and it's yeah, just and even- releasing music that's standard to what they're doing and kind of stays the course almost. It comes to, I think I'm thinking about arcade. I'm thinking about vampire weekend, vampire weekend mm-hmm. started off kind of sounding like little, like, like liberal college kids like yeah the feeling you get and they progress into something more similar to the national after three albums after after two out al- after two album cycles they became a band some more similar to the national where modern vampires of the city invokes a lot of darker tones and works in a much darker space than their previous records mm-hmm. whereas the national like their their sort of progression across three records is less has less to do with like taking bigger sonic risks and more to do with beat with consistency and yeah. being able to think think in a way that's like distinct from record to record, but not but not necessarily incorporating all these all the frills into their instruments. Like Arcade Fire's like band size doubled from the suburbs to reflector somehow. Right. Right. Whereas the national have kept up what they're doing. And I think like their most recent song, the most recent song coming off the new record was probably, mm-hmm. probably the most progressive they've been right. coming from going from album to album. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas like songs like Mistaken for Strangers and Demons kind of come from the same so the same brainchild but under different umbrellas right so like looking at so you you're more you're more apt to answer this as more of a bigger fan of the band i'm still trying to get into them um but do you see boxer as kind of their crowning achievement in terms of not necessarily like not necessarily whether they've been able to build on it and make better record, but like, do you, if you look at their discography as a whole, do you see that as the main one that's sticking out? Or do you think 10 years down the road, we're going to look at it and be like, well, actually, you know, uh, trouble will find me is, was what they were building through the whole time. Or do you kind of see 10 years in, it seems like boxer has established itself as the jewel in their kind of discography, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in terms of contemporary reaction, I wouldn't be surprised if Boxer's the one. But I mean, personally, High Violet is my one of my it's my favorite record by them and one of my favorite records ever. Okay, High Violet is is one that I would that I would celebrate in three years as like a ten year record. That's like like the one that will stand the test for me. Like High Violet mm-hmm. is one of my favorite albums, and I think that it's I think it's stronger than the and the Boxer in a lot of ways. Even if it does kind of tailor to more mainstream sounds and like like a relative sense like how mainstream as the national can get yeah but like it tailors more towards that but i mean like but when it comes to like i think bach i think alligator alligator is what kind of put them on the map more, mm-hmm. like more so than than their first two records alligator is the one that put them on the map but boxer is them capitalizing on that okay and i would i mean boxer is always a good starting point for anyone who's, who's listening to the band for the first time i think yeah i think once you listen to boxer to shred on your question like once you listen to boxer you'll be able to kind of listen to the other albums and it'll make sense to you okay I think, I think being able to i think listening to trouble will find me might be a little tougher if you don't totally understand what's happening on boxer right yeah and see i've kind of i've worked my way backwards i listened to alligator uh like once through i think and i liked it i think it's really good but i do think that i would tend to gravitate more toward their post boxer kind of efforts i haven't really gotten to them but it seems like they're going down a more kind of darker, seriouser role. Yeah. And that seems to kind of cater to what I'm listening to right now. So I'm excited to check that out. Yeah. And I mean, it's, 
much more refined like i like a song like lit up is a lot more intense and a lot more intense with a lot more force to it whereas whereas song some songs on high violet have a lot less of the have high violet and trouble will find me have sort kind of tread towards similar similar sort of sense of like like the same sort of catharsis that's on like squalor victoria or like right but mm-hmm. does it really differently and really without the same sort of like i th- like with like Behringer's vocals on Lit Up, you, you hear him going to cackle a little bit, whereas yeah. that doesn't happen after Boxer. He's not cackling mm-hmm. too much anymore. Okay. A little more. He's more tasteful with how he uses his voice. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I, there's a, there's a, you know, Stephen Hyden, the music writer? I've heard. Yeah, he's a, he used to write for Grantland, and I guess he writes for a bunch of different things now, but he has a podcast, and they did an episode on the Boxer. Or, or they did an episode on the national brought in a couple of writers and they kind of talked about the scope of the band and the music, the anniversary of boxer as kind of a jumping off point. And they, they mentioned his vocals a lot and the older kind of stuff is very, uh, almost yell kind of scream yeah. sort of style. No, and then he kind that, of tapers off. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like his, like that sort of, that sort of changes. And even like, even though they are still kind of a band that uses that, uses five instruments it's like that they're, they're just instrument parts they're not really like there's not a lot of like crazy synth or marimba happening like like on a on album like reflect on like an album like reflector there's not mm-hmm. too much more going on beyond what's happening in the band itself yeah like even then so like like with like with their earlier records there's a lot more of just like a like a punchiness a kick a kickiness to it mm-hmm. whereas their more recent stuff trends a little more towards the moody and melancholy yeah so so like one last thing on it like if kind of looking at like the contemporaries that you mentioned and stuff the nationals obviously a very popular band people care a lot about them but they don't really seem to have that same level as like bands that you mentioned kind of around them like stuff like radiohead lcd the shins, the shins that kind of stuff like that that block of indie has a lot of crossover appeal in a lot of those bands and the national doesn't really seem to kind of get that and i get that their music's different like you mentioned arcade fires playing like stadiums and i I don't believe national could play that no probably not um so what is it about them that never kind of fully crossed over and that is it just simply like the music is a little is obviously a little more dense and tougher than anything arcade fire any of those bands has ever put out um, I'm trying to, like, I think, like, with, I think that they never really aspired to fill out, fill mm-hmm. out stages and arenas, like, the, like, Arcade Fire, their sound became a lot, like, their, like, their crowning moments are the songs where they can take an entire festival and make it, make the festival go crazy, like, Wake Up at, like, at Coachella mm-hmm. is, like, a dream, or, like, right. or Wake Up at Coachella is a dream, or, and, so a band like for Arcade Fire, Arcade Fire, their their sound has really been tailored towards mainstream ears, just in terms of how like people can connect to it. Like I think the first I heard of Arcade Fire had was a Super Bowl commercial mm-hmm. that that incorporated Wake Up with a football game. So that, like like yeah. if you can incor- if you can connect with like America's America sport, then you can move yourself forward. The Shins, when it comes to the Shins, they had the popularity from the early two thousands with with like new slang and and Garden State and whatnot. Yeah, so they were so they were bound to kind of stick out in their own different way, and Radiohead is a different band altogether, just because right. pre because their legacy. But the National were never really never, 
never really aspired to be any of those bands. Like they don't put out radio singles. They don't like at, le- like, at least with an album, like I think the Arcade Fire started doing radio singles with the, with the album, The Suburbs, like ready to start mm-hmm. on radio. Yeah. Whereas the National has never put out radio singles. They've never put out anth- anthemic, like, like end all festival songs. Mm-hmm. They're playing smaller sets of festivals. They're doing intimate shows at theaters and whatnot. Like, I think the most comparable band in terms of, like, popularity and appeal is, like, The War on Drugs. Like, The War on Drugs isn't doing that kind of style of music, but they're still popular. They're still playing, like, Radio City Music Hall. They're still doing big things with their their music, but Mm -hmm. not in a way that's, like, tailored to mainstream audiences. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm a – yeah, I love the record. I'm going to definitely keep kind of digging into that band's – I highly recommend highly recommend discography but yeah like that's that's not a band i'm I'm pretty sure on this podcast i've talked about how it's like i don't like them it's boring i don't get it <laughs> so it's just like sometimes like something just has to click and you kind of get it and just, you're in like a mindset for it and that's what that's where i've been the last couple of weeks with uh specifically with that record um do you have anything else you want to talk about about a uh, boxer or the national in general boxer the national their new song the new song uh, i haven't listened to it that new song it's one of the more progressive takes they've had in terms of like it's a lot more it's it's a lot funkier a lot groovier not okay. in like a upbeat kind of way but it sounds a lot different than their other than the past three albums and i'm looking forward to it like i noticed i saw a little bit on it like have you have you heard matt Berenger's side project elvi that have sounds you, familiar yeah so he has a side project with the with the sync with someone i think the band's called melodrama okay so they yeah, so it's a side. It's essentially his kind of solo project, but with, but with another Melano, Mel, Mina, 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 okay. Mina, Ramona Falls. So that's the guy, and it's it wasn't a great. It was like an okay record. I liked it. I liked it a good amount, but like it, I, it wasn't as good as an as a record from the National. Mm-hmm. It had a lot more of like a, like a, poppier sound to it, like a. But I can definitely hear that a lot more on this on the new song. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the new record, of course. I always think that's cool when like artists like branch off and do like side projects and stuff that are like very separate, but then you're always kind of bringing like pieces of that with you to the, to incorporate. Yeah. I always think that's a cool move to kind of introduce like new, new fresh stuff into a band that's, you know, been around for a while. Yeah. And speaking of Elvi, um, I, I read an article on NPR a few weeks ago, talked about whether side projects are good or bad for creativity. And the in the article kind of argued that side projects are are an indicator of a band losing its creative zeal, and that hmm. kind of shows that that whoever the main brainchild is or the secondary brainchild is kind of running out of steam or is trying to or isn't getting isn't able to completely show themselves in the main project. So that's why they go to the side project. I don't buy that. You you buy that? It, it has its curious it has its curious appeals. Like I think like. I think side projects are good when it's like I think it, that doesn't really apply when it's like a secondary songwriter wanting to be like a main songwriter, right? Like if it's like a band that has like one main guy that's always doing all do, writing all the lyrics and whatnot, and the guitarist wants to get get their hands involved. Like that's what Vampire Weekend's side projects have done. Mm-hmm. Each of the members have had their own sort of have their own sort of ability to expend their creative energy, and it's worked out that they're that what they were doing wasn't going to fit in with like the Vampire Weekend, right? Or what have you. But I think that that theory is very applicable for a band like Boxcar Racer, like Tom Bellon <laughs> wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. Like I think that's a prime example of a band that 
was running into creative strife. So the side project was that sort of like way to pivot. Uh, I mean, I get that for that example, but <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> like he just couldn't think of any more like dick jokes to write into songs. Like, when did when did Boxcar Racer come? Like after uh, two thousand two. Stay tuned for the fifteenth anniversary podcast <laughs> of Boxcar Racer self titled. Oh man, that uh, I feel so was such a jam. Have you ever listened yeah. to that lately? No, I, I, I lately no. I listened to that album like like there was like a month in my blink phase where it was just that album. Go go listen to the song. I feel so. It is the most like cringeworthy cheesy song I've ever heard in my entire life. It's so it was, bad. It was my least favorite from the record. I know that. Oh man. Um. Yeah. I mean, like I get it in that kind of stuff, but that's like another conversation for another day i don't get that boxcar racer or plus 44 was that different than what they could have done in blink 182 i think that was more of just a personal like fuck you i don't like you well you know? i think boxcar racer more so than plus 44 because boxcar that's like i think it's different it's different knowing that they released the self-titled record or the un- like they released blink 182 a year afterwards mm-hmm. like that had songs that were more inspired by like the older fugazi style punk or like post-punk sort of like push hardcore stuff that delange sort of touched upon with boxcar racer plus 44 is just basically like like they're trying to sound different yeah it's more just more of the same yeah so then i so then i think like that fits in like with the positive side of it that like you're a band and you get stagnant theoretically you get stagnant or you just want to do something else and you go do this other thing and then you come back and you're able to kind of tap into different areas that you hadn't explored before. So then they, so then they came back and did untitled, which is their best, you know, like, yeah. But, um, I mean, like, I just think like stuff like, like gaslight, um, like the horrible crow stuff and Brian Fallon's solo record, which I've been really, really into lately. It's so good. Um, I haven't listened to that. I remember listening to the singles and really enjoying it. It's and, it's great, like real like country ish. Yeah. It's so good though. But yeah, I've been like, very I've been, I've been meaning to listen to it. Yeah, but I mean, like I get it in that sense. Like I don't think that that means it's a band struggling to find their creative thing. It's just I, to me, it's more something like the the singer has these ideas for songs that don't fit, like you said, and in order to make them fit, it would be taking away what made you like him in the first place in terms of the songs that he wrote. Yeah. So like we could, like you could take those songs that he wrote for his solo record and turn them into gaslight songs by, you know, adding like double time drums, adding a guitar solo, this kind of mm-hmm. stuff that he went with more of a stripped down way. Simplest. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean the other, the other one that comes to mind, is this isn't really it's a, kind of a sound have you heard of Bo- foxborough hot tubs yeah that's like the the green day right but but nobody knew but everybody knew but like that yeah. but that sound was i really like the, the the sound on that record stop dropping mm-hmm. the really like like throwback garage rock sort of, mm-hmm. sort of kick to it and that i think that might have been like I think that came at a curious, like that album comes at a curious time because it was sandwiched in between their like rock opera days. Mm-hmm. So like that, I think that was a prime example of a band like wanting to shed their shed their need to like be a certain thing. Like Green Day in like the two thousands was that dramatic extra band that was doing like 
op like rock operas whereas stop drop and roll was them like no no we don't we we can do silly songs too remember like dookie you remember this like <laughs> yeah now we're mature so we do it with like 90 with like or like 2000s new york style as opposed to yeah that. yeah i don't know i kind of like i kind of see both ways of it like obviously like green day is a too big of a band to be able to be like weird like that you know yeah but like i'm also like i'm fully on board with bands just like you want to do something new just do it like who cares but then i also like like artists who have several different outlets for several different sounds so somebody like somebody like chris farron um somebody like um uh, evan evan weiss, evan weiss yeah, yeah. <clears throat> where it's like yeah you could take those those um like pet symmetry and they're there there and you could turn them in, into it over at songs but just keeping that kind of dichotomy of all your different outlets and sounds kind of helps you keep stuff in in boxes almost yeah, yeah i think that's kind of cool keeps them, keeps them separated yeah, the offspring. <laughs> yeah. um then, cool yeah i like i like the evan i used to follow evan weiss a lot more aggressively than i do now mm. but i used to be like on it about all the different projects the uh the pet yeah. symmetry record that just came out is really good i'll have to listen I'll i listen. like it a lot it's uh it's two of the dudes from dowsing who yeah. i did not like their new record at all not very good Mm-hmm. um but it's it's like it's it's the fun kind of not lighthearted, but like not as heavy version of like his into it over stuff whereas into it over stuff is so emotionally heavy so kind of drenched in that um right this is more uh kind of free kind of uh i don't know just has more room to breathe and um it's, it's a fun listen i mean i think my favorite, i think my favorite evan weiss side project is up, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right. A, B, A, B, start. <laughs> ever heard of? Ever heard of that one? I've heard of it. I've never listened to it. What does it sound uh, like? It sounds like it sounds like a little more like the mid, drenched in midwestern sauce. Okay. Like the heavy, like heavier acoustic, like heavier like uh, guitar, like guitar pushy vibes, sort of things like that. Who's uh, who's but, in that? Beats me. Beats oh, okay. me. That was like I think that was like one of his side projects. That was one of his side projects before Into It Over It. It was that and like oh the, wow the progress. Right, right. Like I said, I was really on top of it. I like the, prog- <laughs> I like the progress a lot, too. Okay. But up, cool. Up, like up, down, up. That was like an underrated, underrated bit for me. People don't really talk about that one as much as they talk about the progress. Right. Um. Cool. So, uh, this next little section is to do some quick hits on new releases. Um, stuff comes out all the time, and rather than you know, try to devote an entire episode to stuff, because then stuff happens stuff comes up we talk about different stuff and then all of a sudden a record's been out for four weeks and it's like weird to talk about it now so or like someone gonna... has to drop a surprise record during the taping of it right <laughs> so, so uh <laughs> so uh we touched on it earlier but the arcade fires new single everything now uh what are you thinking it's not good Ooh. what do you think I love it. <laughs> really? I think, I think it's great. I think it's great. I've heard I've heard a fair share of criticisms. I've heard the the one there's that one article that, that was trending a couple of days ago that talks about like bands with like a forever pass. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like that's one criticism I've heard where it's like you only like it because you like the previous stuff. Yeah, I don't buy that. Stuff. I don't buy that. People can like whatever they want. That's dumb. Yeah, I don't that's that's thinking too hard too much too much. Right. So the other criticism I heard was that it sounds it sound it has a good it sounds like good arcade fire, but it's just too bubblegummy. It's just too poppy. Yeah, I mean, 
I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't have a problem with him going pop. So why do you like it? What, what's your like critique of it? I mean, I think it, I think it's big. It's big. It's big and it's big and large. Just like a song hits hits like immediate like right off the bat. Just like a song like Reflector does or like yeah. Rebellion Lies. Like it hits right off the bat. And while of course that's not like a prerequisite to being a good song, they they are able to, t- to execute that style really effectively, and they it does a really good job there. And I think that the sort of like like 70s disco influence that like was like hit or miss on reflector i like reflector a lot but still mm-hmm. hit or miss like relative to their earlier work like i still think that it's really it works really well here and it's one of those songs that i don't really want like i've heard some people saying that like i wish that it the song was a lot shorter because it tries to do too much yeah but i like the way it just kind of kept going and like, right I didn't really want it to end yeah like the vibe sort of clicked immediately okay and i was able to was able to latch on to it so were you expecting were you expecting something in this vein from them, or oh, did you kind of have any yeah. thoughts on that? I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot of like expectations as to where expectations as to where they would go mm-hmm. because it was like Reflector is the rec- the Arcade Fire record that I revisit, revisit the least. Right. So like, I knew that's what they were gonna do, but I was like too focused on like the suburbs and Neon Bible to really think like to go like to pragmatically go like oh like they're not gonna make a song like keep the car running again like that's, right. Like, that song is again like I like part of me would fantasize that they would make a song like that again, but like I knew that they're gonna stick with the bigger bombastic sound. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean like I so like yeah, I get what you're saying. Like I I get that they're kind of uh even even before Reflector, like they're just like such a huge entity now. And yeah. they're kind of exploring that and that sound and I, that's cool, but like to me it just sounds like they were like, hey, let's write a disco song. And then they wrote a disco song, like with the thought of like, let's write a disco song the whole time, you know? Like yeah. it doesn't sound organic. It sounds very, <clears throat> I don't know if cliche is the right word, but like it sounds like they're like a fake ABBA band. Like it, it in my head, it sounds like this one Bee Gees song. Cause like mm-hmm. I've said before, the Bee Gees are dope. Mm-hmm. Bee Gees are one of the best bands ever. <laughs> But, like, there's this one Bee Gees song that sounds like that, and that's all I can get stuck in my head. Hmm. But, like, to me, it just comes off very, uh, it doesn't, like, have any kind of depth or feeling or emotion to it. It sound, it comes across very, like, robotic almost. Like, these are the strides that we're going to hit. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it doesn't have as many of kind of the moving parts as their older stuff that I kind of like was in. It's more uh, formulaic. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I wouldn't call the song formulaic, you know what I mean? But it's just, it's very much, like, to me, like, it just sounds like, let's write a disco song. Okay, here's our disco song. Well, I mean, I think that they've been, they've been doing that for, I'll get it, like, like the song, like, Reflector, like, for me, like, the, the title track of Reflector, mm-hmm. the same exact way. It was like, yeah. once I heard it, I was like, oh, these are the ideas that they're doing. Right. That's what they're trying to do. But I think, I think that part of it is, like, is like at least with like an like an album or reflector like what after mm-hmm. like it's impossible for me to think about that song individually now because I always think about it in the context of that like longer record. Yeah, I think that like it's like it's like while it was still discoy and intent, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like straight up like Bee Gees like you're talking. Right. About. It wasn't them trying to do like the '70s thing, and I think what differentiates it, what differentiate that, differentiate that, that differentiates that idea now is like with with everything now they they. Thomas Sanglander, that's his name, from Daft Punk, from Daft Punk. Yeah. And Daft Punk's most, like, they're probably the last record, like, 
random access memories like that was very disco heavy like that was uh-huh. trying to emulate the sound of disco uh-huh. and they could have gone like they, if with him at the helm they could have gone so much further in the disco down the disco route uh-huh. like it but but arcade fire didn't do that on their song yeah so they could have gone so much further yeah yeah it seems it seems very like entry level which is fine it's just not really what i was expecting but like you kind of mentioned like the the one like caveat is that this is the first single mm-hmm. and a band like this you know they're not gonna the songs aren't all gonna sound like this like i'm preserving judgment that i might like the song better in the context of where it falls in the album and how it kind of melds into that you know no and i think inevitably there's gonna be probably a three minute song that's like like a rager like a punky like a punky right song, of course so they always have that one song <laughs> three minutes and like month of may on. yeah month of may was that record that song on Silver, the suburbs some of those and like i don't remember the exact one on reflector but they're gonna have one of those faster songs like i think it's tough to see where i think it's tough to see where they're coming from with one song because because mm-hmm. usually like their records kind of take like they're influenced they're inspired by something like funeral has a very strong melancholy sound right because of the, the grandparents death and and i think neon bible has like a more authentic sound because it's self-produced by the band like they didn't bring any other actors in yeah so it's very much what like them doing the funeral thing but with like a newfound sense of confidence and 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 belief in themselves Uh and the suburbs is sort of the same sort of deal except with the added like element of nostalgia Uh and a desire to be bigger and reflector might have gone too far down that rabbit hole of wanting to be big in some respects but i'm still looking forward to what they're doing here on this record i mean they're one of my favorite bands yeah so. i think it'll be interesting regardless like i think the whole like kind of neon aesthetic that they're going for is interesting at the very least you know like i i i don't know if this is if this is the first single as in like it's the most accessible like that's fine because i think it is very accessible you know yeah so it'll be interesting to see where they go from it yeah um and it's curious okay. because on this record tom like the daft punk one of the one half of daft punk is is producing as well as yeah the whole the whole thing right yeah, yeah the whole thing in addition to members yeah. of the band pulp so okay rip pop those rip pop icons so right so it seems to get a, a little bit of both a little bit of both of those aesthetics in there like the rocky vibe and the disco-y right yeah so yeah it didn't i didn't i didn't like the song but it hasn't killed my uh my enthusiasm for what it could be and we'll get back to it and we'll get a we'll get back to arcade fire in a second here but um yeah. Either way, I'm excited. I'm gonna when I see them in DC come September, I will. I'm excited for that. Hell yeah! No, no matter how good or bad the record. <laughs> um, you didn't listen to the Bleachers record, right? No, I haven't. Do I you haven't like Bleachers? I, I don't like them as much as some people seem to like them. I I, I never I think, really. I, think I was like. Go ahead. I think I was like the like when it comes like. There are a lot of projects where, like, I'm just like latched onto it just because of the idea of it. Where I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's Jack Antonoff, it has to be like good. Yeah. Like, I think, I think there are choice songs off of a Strange Desire that I'll go, that I go back to. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, I, I don't think I listen. To, I don't listen to that record in at, like from front to back really ever. Yeah, same. I find I think that record. I think that record's really boring. Like there, I respect him, hand, but like it's it's, it's boring. Happening like they're right. Like, like a stick out to you, but like. They don't stick out to you unless right. you listen to them on their own. Like in the on like the whole record itself doesn't really have that emboldened feel. Right. So yeah, I was never really that big of a fan of that record. And then um, 
this this record cycle that uh don't take the money single is probably my favorite song of 2017 it's that song is phenomenal that song's perfect and so i was like super stoked for the record because i was like okay maybe like i'm gonna get bleachers now i listened to it twice the other day it's i don't get it it's not good (laughs) like i just i don't understand it it's just really just it's it's the same thing like it's boring it's so one note like I don't know if it's his voice. Like, I think it's just like he has so much cool stuff going on in his brain. Like, I think like a lot of his collaborations work better just because his his voice and his delivery becomes too one note to me. Mm-hmm. But like, because like, don't take the money is like phenomenal. Like the pre-chorus into the chorus into the bridge. Like that song's perfect, and nothing comes even close to it on this record. So going going with uh, going with like no prejudices or anything but i'm interested to hear what you have to say about it because yeah, i mean uh, i mean like his anthem his anthem stuff has always been my favorite stuff my, my favorite mm-hmm. roller coaster but like the river runs right those are the ones where he real where it makes a lot of sense to me like, I mean, in terms of his like solo career like bleachers those are the bleacher songs that make sense to me but like wake me too like the ones where he's like where he's like making a statement and yeah like, like trying to fill like an arena or like make it on the radio Whereas some of his other stuff, where he's trying to appeal to other tastes, I like I didn't get. They weren't at. It's, it's not as like. It's not as like uh, doesn't stick with me as much. Right. Yeah. So, not really a fan of the record, but I'm excited for him on the Lord record. That oh, yeah. uh, no, I think no. I think that's going to be like his his peak his product this year is going to be that Lord I mean, record. I'm excited. I mean, Pitchfork said it in their in their article about in the review of Gone Now. It's like it's like yeah, sure, maybe this might be a big moment for him, but this might not be his biggest moment in 2017. Maybe even in June of 2017, right? Hasn't come out yet. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, I had the Lil Yachty record on here. You didn't listen to that either, right? No, I that one song Forever Young with Diplo. Yeah, I, I, I vibe with that song a lot. That song's good, but the the record's too long. It, <laughs> it's it gets it's it's way too long. I love Lil Yachty with all my heart, but. I don't really get that. I think that record's not not great. <laughs> um, but one last one that I will have positive things to say about our girl Carly Rae. Oh yeah, yeah. You know you can't get past the mic <laughs> on the podcast if you don't get one mention. That song's so good, man. Queen, it's so good. The Queen. Yeah, I heard that song when it came. Like it like was on SoundCloud a few like a few months ago. Oh really? But it was like the rough cut with like it's from a movie. Yeah. 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 That she that she is voicing. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the official version of it. Mm-hmm. So hearing it without like the cuts of like the animated movie, yeah, make a lot more sense. It's so good. I'm so excited for it. Um, <laughs> real quick, you've been we've talked about this in the past. I feel like you've been tweeting about it lately. Like, what do we have to do? What do you have to do to get people to understand that you like Carly Rae Jepsen unironically? Um, I think <laughs> we got to do a deep. I think at this point they get it. I think at this point yeah. my brand is too strong for people to. Know. <laughs> but the key, the key is to just like you just gotta like mention mention any song that isn't "Call Me Maybe." Then they'll go like, "You listen, to, you seem to listen to the deep cuts." It's like, yeah, no, I listen to the real deal. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I know it's, it's great. It, but but I mean, like, also "Call Me Maybe" is a great song. Oh yeah, no, for sure. But but you yeah, can't, you can't deal that deal that hand first. Like that can't be like it's like oh yeah, call, like. Like, she started off well with Call Me Maybe. Like, you have to really show that you've, like, taken the time. Yeah. Like, you, like, were resentful for a while. Then you, like, went back to it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this makes a lot. Of, you went back to her. And you're like, this made a lot of sense. Which is actually, like, 
why I reviewed her. Like, I reviewed Emotion mm-hmm. when it first came out, like, three years ago, or two years ago, because I was, like, because I was, like, I mean, I guess I'll give her another shot. Like, she was a one-trick pony last time, so yeah. let's see if we can actually, like, pull her a lot, and sure enough, she did, and it took me a little bit to get it, but now I'm, like, now I get it. I'm with it. Yeah, that's a that's my my mission statement for 2017 is to get everybody to unironically like Carly Jepsen and respect her for the artist that she is. I mean, when her new album drops, that's when I think it'll really it'll really hit. When she can take yeah. radio and us by storm, radio yeah. and on radio alike. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So we're gonna wrap up the episode with, like. I feel always feel like our best episodes and like my favorite ones are when we rank stuff because that's what the internet is. Like the internet is like strictly there for me to rank my favorite things and then you to rank your favorite things and then for yeah. me to tell you why your things are wrong and mine is right. Yeah. Check like, the comment section for that. Yeah, like why else are we supposed to have the internet? So that's gonna be kind of an ongoing thing. And so for this one, um we talked about we talked about them a handful, but uh went in to do the arcade fire. So yeah. obviously four, four LPs: Funeral, Neon Bible, Suburbs, Reflector. Um, we'll just go back and forth. Like I'll do four, you do four. Or I'll do my number four, you do your number four, and yeah. so on. Okay. So uh, you want to go first? What do you, you have at your number four? Number four is Reflector. I mean, okay. I revisit it the least. There's not it. It some of the, there's some choice cuts on there that I can get. I go back to, but it's a, a little too long as a double record. Yeah. And a little more critical of it, but I mean, I still like it. But it's number four. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same boat. Like it's, it's cool. It's a little bit like over ambitious. I think um, you can kind of tell they wanted to go in that that direction. I just don't know how well yeah. they stuck the landing. Um, like okay. you said, like a lot of it's like there's just like a lot of fat that could be trimmed. Like I think maybe there's a good like nine song record in there that you could chisel away. Yeah. Um, but. But like you kind of mentioned earlier, I think that maybe that was kind of the awkward step in the direction of where they want to go with the new record. They're trying to figure it themselves out, yeah. You know, like like a like a half step almost, and then this new record will be the fully formed version of what they wanted to do with this record. So I, that's what I hope for. Yeah, um, I, don't like, I don't dislike it, of course. It's, it's yeah. Fire. Um, and then your number three, Neon Bible. Neon Bible. Okay. Like, I admittedly it's the one I spent the least time with, but mm-hmm. I think that like. Like its highest peaks are its high peaks, like No Cars Go. Like those are like it's fantastic, mesmerizing. But like relative to the other two records, it doesn't stay, it doesn't hold a fiddle on it in that regard. Okay. See, for me, it's close, but I went with the suburbs for number three. Mm. To me, I think um, I think the top the number one record is like far and away number one, and then two and three are close to each other, and those three are good, and then Reflector I don't think is very good. Okay. So I think Suburbs is good, but it's kind of the, kind of the same as, uh, like kind of what we said with Reflector. Like it's, uh, no pun intended. It's a little too sprawling. Talk about sprawling. Sprawl too. One of the best songs. Yeah. It's just like yeah. There, there's a lot of like really good songs, but there's just like a lot to kind of dig through on the record, and I don't think that they necessarily, that necessarily fits them as well the whole like denseness but i think go ahead no but i think that i think that the density is like is what doesn't well like like with with reflector they try doing too much with the with like once it's almost like when they got when they learned how to use a synthesizer it was like, mm-hmm. just all, all cars go like all things go shitty bang and like there 
like it seemed like they were just doing everything they could with like the synths and like and different ideas and like they were less focused on being a guitar band guitar mm-hmm. based rock band but i think that with the suburbs they balance it all so well in addition to like that the emotional depth that the record has mm-hmm. i think that they're like reddit put it well when they said that the stereotype associated with this record is like is like stop thinking stop thinking this record was written about you just because you listened to it before you graduated like right <laughs> like yeah so is is uh is the suburbs your number two yeah, no, it's my number two. Okay. I it okay. Like, like right from the get go, like it's it's like the suburbs. The first song is like a, such a good thesis statement. Like it starts off, mm-hmm. like it doesn't start with like a long fade in, like with funeral, where you have to like kind of figure out what's happening. It starts right from the get go with those opening notes, and it's very simplistic. But then towards the end of the song, it like no pun intended, but sprawls out a little bit. Like, <laughs> every, 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 no, that had to be intended. I already did no pun intended. Yours had to be intended. I mean, it, 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 it's. <laughs> <laughs> everything sort like it's almost like the band sort of divide like comes out of the way and then you get the yeah and just kicks in with with ready to start right and there's so much force and confidence going in there that i just can't i just can't stop talking about it it's do you see do you, you obviously you obviously have a record ahead of this which we'll get to in a minute but do you kind of see the suburbs as like the accumulation of them of that version of the band because that's how i've always kind of seen it like i i think i think they've talked yeah. about this in the past though right like it's it's based it's essentially a trilogy it's like a, and, yeah, a, a chronicle like a, right like, oh, and then like to me the suburbs is like the finale and it's like the band at their peak in terms of what they were trying to do there it's just to me it comes off a little bit too too grandiose and they lose some of the stuff that i think makes the other records really stand out more I mean, that's what I'll argue with Neon Bible. I think Neon Bible is a little more like, like they're trying to do a little too much. I'm not even trying to do a little mm-hmm. too much, like, but it's like, it's like they're trying, like they're trying to take bigger risks. But yeah, like of course, like they, it's not like they fail at it. Mm-hmm. It's not like they fail at it in any means by any means. But like the suburbs are just much more effective in doing what it has to do. Yeah, like the I get like that. The, yeah, I, it, yeah, they're they're really close to me. But yeah, I've I've Neon Bible it too because I think, like you said, like I like kind of the chances they take on it. It's a very different step from their first record whereas i think the suburbs aligns more closely with the first record mm-hmm. and neon bible is almost like this outcast kind of thing mm-hmm. like it was and, supposed to be second right like it's it's like if you were to tell me that the suburbs was the follow-up to funeral you'd be like okay this kind of makes sense you can draw that line whereas neon bible is kind of this weird zigzag out um and i don't know i've, I've always kind of like always kind of have an affinity for bands kind of outlier records yeah um if they can hold on their own like i think it's just interesting that they kind of take that choice and do something a little bit different even though this is it's not super different but to me neon bible and the kind of risks and chances that it takes puts it a little bit above the suburbs for me i mean i don't know i just think that I just think when it comes to the suburbs, like Neon Bible as a whole is like a strong, mm-hmm. strong but the like the suburbs has some of their best song, like some of Arcade Fire's best songs. Like I think, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I could argue with that. Like I think that part of part of the reason why we like Funeral, which which by process of elimination is both yeah. our number ones, but like right. part of the reason why we like Funeral is because not only does it stand well on its own, but because like half of the half of the song, like half the record is like Arcade Fire's top ten, like, <laughs> right. Like, like, <laughs> But I think like with like the top, the first four songs off that record, like Suburbs, Ready to Start, Modern Man, and Rococo, mm-hmm. those are like essential Arcade Fire songs. Yeah. And then there are others mattered about like of course Sprawl Number Two. I think is the, like 
Arcade Fire's third best song. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just like it's that combination of being able to put together a strong, cohesive piece that's also that also has like individual like highlights. Like to compare right. them to like Bleachers, like Bleachers can really get the highlights down, mm-hmm. but they can't keep up the whole. They can't put the whole package together. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of the. So I don't think you're wrong. There's like those are great songs, and that's probably some. I think that's probably the band that like working at their best at what they want to do there. Yeah. But to me, the whole package of it kind of falls. Like that's what puts Neon Bible ahead. But like I said, those two are real close. But um, my number one isn't isn't even close. Like yeah, yeah. Funeral is a masterpiece. Yeah. No, it's it's the it's the album. It's their band. like <laughs> like you mentioned, like you mentioned, it's just like bangers, like <laughs> one through ten. Hangers just, <laughs> just <laughs> nothing but bangers but then also it has a very a very unified feel to it it's very much one piece of art yeah. um it's like just the kind of recalls the different things and just the kind of thread that goes through it like it's it's just so good i mean yeah like like when like to put like to put in context like the, like I, when I listen to albums there's sometimes that one song that always sticks out to me it's always like when I recommend the album listen to this one song mm-hmm. and the fact that like, for the longest time that song was Haiti mm-hmm. like that song was like probably like Haiti's not like, the weakest song on the record but it's like the it's like the most like relative relative to the other tracks it's, like the most basic like it's like right. simplistic and does not mm-hmm. do as much as like other like other songs on that record do, do. Mm-hmm. the fact that I was able to rep that song really hard and was able to do so effectively mm-hmm. like the, the fact that that's like the not even bottom of the barrel, but like the, like, the least like the east like the most expendable song on that record. Right. Yeah. Well, stretch to say to begin with. So something about the rest of the out al- the rest of the album where it soars from there. Absolutely. Like, when Lumiere, like that when I first when I, when that song finally clicked with me, it was like it was like a godsend. It was like this finally yeah. makes sense. <laughs> like the, th- once yeah. the third song, the third song in French makes sense. Then it's finally like this is all in its right place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's it's a. Uh... It, it definitely like I've I've loved this record for a long time, but I don't think it necessarily clicked right away for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I kind of mentioned before, like the more you get into kind of like the indie kind of headspace of it, it's kind of stood out as more of a kind of full full piece. And I think it's I think it's like I don't know. It's weird to think about like this band if they're writing songs like Wake Up and stuff, like they could be like. Uh, I heard this on a podcast somewhere, but like they're like an arena rock band. No, oh, yeah. That just never really wanted to or never did it. But like, you can write a song like "Wake Up," like that's that's an arena rock song no, for, for this sure. like for this day and age, you know. And that's what's happening. Come fall twenty six, so August and August and September twenty sixteen, they're going to be playing right the Verizon Center, Wells Fargo, you know, like they're going to be pl- like playing big arenas. Right, but in term, but in terms of like, but in terms of like sound, like where you're writing like. Sure guitar driven songs with yeah with um like uh guitar effects and stuff like that or even something like power out you know whereas like they kind of went down this other path where they're doing weird disco-y artsy kind of stuff on reflector more kind of uh, different things on the suburbs it's just uh, it's kind of interesting to think about that they were doing on funeral so well yeah and just like the fact that they're able to do so they're able to cast a wide net and they're able to not only do those but they're able to do the really like emotionally intense like emotionally like mm-hmm. and intense songs yeah like like neighborhoods neighborhood four right the fact that they're able to do that too shows that their versatility in that respect yeah that for forward. sure cool um you want to do some recommendations real quick before we end yeah for sure so i mean in the in the name of the 
Golden State Warriors. I have to represent uh, Oakland's dream pop scene. Oakland's dream <laughs> pop scene has been churning out some good stuff. JSOM, Daywave, Hazel English. There's some, I don't know if you've heard of any of those, any of those folks. But I really like the JSOM record. Yeah, every, JSOM pulls out, is pulling on a lot of good stops, but also mm-hmm. Daywave and Hazel English. Hazel English hasn't received a lot of buzz lately. Daywave has Hazel English. Okay. Daywave has a lot of legacy buzz from the early from his early work, but the early work, but Hazel English is hot and hot like hot music, like hitting it big. Definitely recommend. Okay. Yeah, she's in the same sort of vein, like the like the nice nice sunny vibes to it. Okay. Like if there, I was gonna mention this earlier, but this but Hazel English's new double EP, which is kind of like a re-release of an old EP plus six new songs. Okay. It's it came out earlier on earlier last month on Polyvinyl. It's like. It's my summer record this year. Really? So, yeah, my summer. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect for the sunny days and the good vibes. But Warriors are still trash, though. <laughs> are and you? Uh, what are you? You're a Heat fan, club- Miami Heat. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a weird sports fan. I'm. A- <laughs> it's like I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, New England Patriots, New York Yankees, Miami Heat, New York City FC, Arsenal. Okay. Yeah, a weird mix there. I can respect it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else? Yeah, I mean, I've our, the new War on Drugs song. We never, we didn't touch upon it too much, but the new War on Drugs song, solid. The Master of None, fantastic. Dear White People, <sighs> so good. Fantastic. And is is Dear White People the you're talking about the show, right? Yeah, the show. The is show. it good? The show. It's good. Like, I, it's it's funny. Like, it took it for a little bit. You feel like it's not really happy. Like, it, like it make like it's, you're laughing along. Like, it's good. Mm-hmm. But then it it kicks it up a notch towards the middle of the season. And like I watched the entire second half of the season of the series today, because it was okay. that good. Like the second half, it definitely like stands <clears throat> out as like much better than the first half. So if you're if you're if you're skeptical from yeah. the first few episodes, it'll make sense event like towards the middle of the season. Cool, I'll you're check right. it out. Yeah, and but yeah, the Master of None is unreal. Oh, fantastic! Like, unreal. Master of None, absolutely fantastic. The best, <laughs> the best out there. Um, on top, I mean, now while we're on Netflix, uh, Hassan Minhaj is a Homecoming King. Okay, a few weeks ago. It's it's solid, similar vein, like brown guy doing cool things. I, I <laughs> resonates with me a lot. And then, I don't have you heard of the thirty three and a third series? Yeah. So I just read the my beautiful my beautiful dark twisted fantasy book. Well, I didn't know there was one. Oh, it's good. It's a it's a quick read. It's by Kirk Walter Gra- Walter Graves. He runs through it. He runs through kind of a like a I like a. Uh, back uh, context of easy and then it runs off each song from the record and it's like it can get kind of trivial because you're kind of like why am i why am i reading about the song by song yeah but like it's, but it it's a good read it's a good read okay. for any fan. definitely i'll definitely check that out you know i'll do anything i'll, I'll do anything yeah. with that record man oh yeah he even touched upon Jesus <laughs> Jesus a little bit which oh man the record that's my <laughs> this is right up my alley second favorite <laughs> but yeah uh cool what nice. Um, I've been uh, just the other day. I came across uh, you know, the you're listening to Sweatshop Boys. No, I haven't. It's um, did you ever listen to Das Racist? No, this is all. Uh, they're they're like yeah. a hip hop group. Um, one of the guys was uh, they're they're like kind of comedy kind of thing. Okay. Um, one of the guys Heems, uh, kind of split off and did his own thing. He's uh, Indian, and yeah. it's him and Riz Ahmed. From oh, the night of, yeah. Uh, I guess he he's a rapper too, and um, they do like a rap group together. Okay. And they put out a record last year, I think, but they just put out an EP called Sufi Law, hmm. and uh, it it rips. 
okay. <laughs> it's just like it's like really fun kind of upbeat kind of stuff um Heems has a cool flow that I've always liked it's very like relaxed and stuff and then um Riz has Riz has a thick British accent and so he kind of comes across like almost in this like grimy kind of way right and is very very like aggressive with it and um they they kind of like go together really well I'm surprised I haven't heard a switch up boys yeah it's 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 a lot of fun um listen to the song anthem it's the first song off of it okay and it's it's a it's a banger okay for sure. certified okay. banger grime grime also uh stormzy yeah you have to now that you mention it grime is all bangers all the time <laughs> all bangers all the time like grime is just like grime so it's good. so rad like, <laughs> <laughs> um the smidley record which is self-titled it's the dude from foxing okay yeah it's his solo record um it's kind of more um I, like they use the term like poppy and stuff from a lot of stuff I read. It's not not pop, but like a little more stripped down, a little more kind of uh, basic than you would get off Foxing. Okay. Um, but it's it's just like really solid like singer songwriter kind of type of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. a lot of it reminds me of like kind of what like Bleachers could do if they didn't go like the weird weird like hip hop beat route. Yeah. Um, but I really like it. It's really really good. Okay. Uh, the new Free Throw record is pretty good. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of an acquired taste, but um, I really like it. And then the new uh, Sendy record is called Number One Hit Single. Um, but it's, yeah, it's cool, like, indie punk kind of stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, and then that's about it, I think. Honestly, I've been listening to that, to the um, to the National a lot. Yeah. Like I said, oh, oh, that's what I was talking about earlier. Uh, the microphones, definitely check them out. The record called uh, "The Glow Part 2. The Glow Part Two is yeah. like this weird, like super, like sprawling, heavy, <laughs> like weird is like the only thing I can use to describe it. Like there's a lot of like tape hiss, tape pops kind of thing. Like it's lo-fi in parts, but then it's very like big and grand in parts. And then there's like weird experimental sound noise. Mm-hmm. feedback kind of stuff where that's like whole songs um it's like a double album so it's real long but yeah. um <clears throat> been really getting into them there's a you can find it on twitter somewhere but there's kind of like somebody like charted out the best way to get into his music yeah um phil everham i'm pretty yeah. sure is his name mm-hmm. yeah in terms of what you kind of want like they're the crown jewel is the glow part two and then it's like a flow chart that goes like do you want something that's more experimental check out this record and he just has like this whole like array of different sounds and stuff, and so I've really been kind of engrossed in that. So uh, you would I mean, definitely like it. And I mean, the new Mount Erie record is fantastic. The new Mount Erie record, like when yeah. you read the story, like it's it's great on its own. But then you read the story about it, it's like, man, this is hard to listen to. No, you're right. You're right. Like this is just it's no, tough. I freeze. I freeze a lot. Like I I, I don't think I've been many times where I've like listened to a record and I like stopped. I'm like, oh oh no and like you yeah like it's like, it's like it's hard to listen to it passively yeah because like once you get it in your mind it's like wow this is this is something but yeah it's it's uh it's really good i would definitely recommend it yeah cool awesome well that went good man solid appreciate you uh helping me out with the recording thing yeah, for sure for sure i'm gonna try to figure it out at some point but uh but yeah, yeah. i want to try to i want to try to uh start to do it a little more consistently so i'll hit you up sometime next week to do it yeah no i'll send you i'll send you a link to the video and we'll yeah it um it might take it might take like an hour or two to show up on your thing okay 
Um, so no rush. Just send it to me today or tomorrow. I'll figure it out. All right. We'll do. Cool. All right. Later, dude. All right. Later.